Hi, I'm, I'm Jax, and I'm going to read your scripture today. Um, if you want to, please turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. We're going to be reading verses 28 through 31. When one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Thank you. Nice job. Thank you. you take this. Well, good morning. That was my nephew, by the way. A little, a little nepotism this morning. He, he didn't introduce himself that way, and maybe we need to talk about that. I don't know, but that's all right. Well, hey, uh, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, I really would love the opportunity to meet you after the service and get to know you just a little bit better. I'm one of the leaders here. Let me tell you where we're at. You, you came at a good time if you're a visitor because we're starting a brand new series called Renovate, where we're going to be looking at that command that Jackson just read for us, that Jesus says this is the first and most important commandment. So we figure it would probably be a good thing for us to spend some time diving into what is this commandment and how can we step into this commandment more fully. And Again, if Jesus said it's the most important, maybe we should spend some time there. And I think the reason that this is the most important is because you don't really get anywhere else if this isn't priority number one. I mean, you can't really love your neighbor as yourself without first loving God because love is from God. And you can't really stay in step with the Spirit of God without first being focused on the love of God. And so during this series, what we want to do today, I'm going to give kind of an, an overview. It's going to be a little bit different of a message here today. And then uh, next week, we're going to look at, hey, what is the mind? And then the next week, what is the heart? The next week, what is the body? How can we love God with our body? And then the last one is the soul. Now, that one's going to be really fun. I mean, does anybody really know what the soul is? And so we're going to process through that and then talk about how we can form all of these things under love of God. And so that's going to be the next five weeks. Uh, now, the one that gets the most emphasis, typically, is the body out of those four. I mean, the, thing, the outward deed, the thing that we do, the thing that's most visible, the thing that we can measure most, that's what gets our attention most often. And I find this to be true in my parenting so when the girls are going to go stay at grandma's house for a little bit, my instruction always has to do with doing, with the body. It's don't argue with your sister, right? Don't hit your sister. Don't ask for too much sugar while you're over there. Only ask for one popsicle this time instead of six because we all know grandma's going to say yes to all six. There's this built-in yes button that grandmas have, and it's only reserved for the grandkids. It wasn't for the sons and daughters. It's only for the grandkids, right? Yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah, exactly. And so all this instruction has to do with the body or the doing. This is the way it often is, but why not? Jesus is saying it's so much bigger than that. just that. Why not as parents, why don't we just say, Hey, today, man, make sure you're dwelling in things that are really good. 
Make sure your mind is filled with good things here today. There, there are lies from the enemies, the enemy that tries to put distortions and things about what is true. Make sure you're focused on what is true and good. And with your emotions, man, make sure emotions aren't taking the driver's seat. Make sure that they are in the posture that they ought to be, in the context that they ought to be. Make sure you, you feel the emotions that Jesus felt. Make sure your emotions are being formed after Jesus. And man, your soul, make sure your soul is in a really good place. Evaluate where is your soul right now. And of course, also, the things that you do are extremely important as well. So it's all four of these things. That's what Jesus is saying. He's sort of raising the bar here. He's referencing Deuteronomy 6, and he's, he's raising the bar here to say it's so much more than just the outward deed. It's so much more than just the doing. And I think for us, we've, we've settled for the doing because we can see that so much more easily. We can measure it. So that's where all the focus goes time and time again. And this is what Jesus dealt with, with the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. I mean, everything had to do with the outward deed, right? You, you give to the poor and you, you blow trumpets when you do it. And you pray so that everybody can see what's happening. And, you, and when you fast, you make sure it's seen by everybody else, right? Everything's outward. And so the motto for the Pharisees is essentially, love God by what you do. Make sure you love God by what you do. And Jesus is saying here, no, no, the most important thing is so much more than just that. It's love God with everything, every fiber of our being. He wants everything to be formed under love of God. And so he says this in Matthew 23, 25 through 28, as he's speaking to the Pharisees. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, he just lays it out there sometimes, doesn't he? Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. See, the point here is Jesus wants our focus to be on becoming, not just doing. And in no relationship is it okay to just love somebody with your doing. I mean, if I came up to Morgan and I said, hey Morgan, um... I, I think about other women all the time. Um, I, even, I even lust after them, you know. Uh, I, uh, and in fact, I, I, in my heart, I actually just want to be with some other women. But aren't I such a good husband because I don't actually do those things? I mean, what's she, what's she going to say to that? <laughs> you know, the body will probably be working really well in that moment for her, Right. It's, it's absurd, right? And that's what Jesus is saying here. It's not just about what you do. It's really about what's on the inside that's so important. It's about everything being formed. It's about becoming rather than just doing. Everything should be formed under love in any relationship, but especially in our relationship with God. It's the heart. It's the mind. It's the soul. It's all our strength. It's our body. It's the things that we do. It's everything. 
See, Jesus doesn't want the dish to just look clean. (laughs) He wants it to actually be clean. And by the way, only he can do that. And that's so important to realize that when we love God, when we form everything after love of God, what we're doing is giving back to him the love that we've received from him because we have no capacity to invent love. I mean, First John says that we love, why? Because he first loved us. So any time that we love God, it is because we have received, we have believed, and now we're giving that love back to him. That's so important. And that's why all four of these things work best when they're a means to an end and not an end of themselves. So oftentimes you'll see in the culture somebody may make one of these four things its own end. So if we make the mind its own end, then we focus so much on the intellect. Have you ever seen somebody who just the mind is everything, right? And so what happens is you start to sacrifice relationships, you start to uh, sacrifice care, you start to not think about things, about like emotions and, and humility and all these kinds of things. But if the heart is the end of everything, then we're like waves tossed around, man. Every, every emotion that we feel, we just let it lead and we just run with it. We end up in a really bad place. Or if the body is the emphasis, if the body is the end, then we degrade ourselves and we numb ourselves to relationships. Or if the soul is the end, then man, we grip tightly too and we live in fear because it runs things. And so that's why... All four of these things must be formed under something else. Now that something else must be love of God, otherwise we're in big trouble. Because very naturally, those four things will be formed under our own desires. That's our nature, isn't it? Our nature is really to do one of two things. It's to make one of these four things an end in itself, or to form all four of these things under our own desire. This has been true since the very beginning of time. I go all the way back to, to the book of Genesis. Well, let me read this from 1 John 2 first. It says this, and, and one thing we've got to know is most every temptation is rooted in our desire. 1 John 2, 16, 17. It says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So look at those three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those are all things that are rooted in desires, and the game plan the enemy uses very often is to sort of prey on those desires. And so that's why Jesus is saying here, everything's got to be formed under love of God. That means they can't be their own end. And also, we have to switch from our desires forming these things to love of God forming them. Because here's what happens in Genesis 3, 6. From the very beginning, this is what happens. It says, when the woman, talking about Eve, tempted in the garden, saw that the, the tree was good for food, that's lust of the flesh right there, and was pleasing to the eye, that's the lust of the eyes. And also desirable for gaining wisdom, that's the pride of life. She took some and she ate it. You see, all those three things from 1 John that we just read, 1 John 2, all the way back in Genesis with the very first temptation here. All three of these things. This is the game plan of the enemy. 
He wants to prey on what our desires are and have all four of these things we're talking about formed under desire. That's where temptation comes from. And in fact, he even tried this on Jesus. He says, turn that stone into bread. That's the lust of the flesh. He says, jump down off of this temple. That's the pride of life. And so from the beginning, Genesis 3, Jesus, and then talks about it in 1 John, you can imagine today this is still the playbook of the enemy, to prey on our temptations. That's why everything has to be submitted under love of God. That's our role here. So let me give you guys a a brief outline of where we're headed over the next four weeks in terms of forming each of these things under love of God, beginning with the mind. Here's what we're talking about. Loving God with our mind, this is the process of replacing the destructive thoughts that we've had with the thoughts that filled the mind of Christ himself. That's what we'll talk about next week. And that's really the goal, isn't it? Colossians 3, it's to set our minds on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, right? That's our, that's our goal. That, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to accomplish. So next week, we're going to talk about that. And you could certainly make an argument based on the scriptures that everything starts in the mind, and so we're going to spend all week next week talking about how do we, what is the mind, how do we love God with our mind. And then the next week will be loving God with our heart, which here's what we mean by that. It's to proactively align our emotions with Christ's emotions and not just letting them happen. And uh, I'm going to try not to rant this morning, but... There's got to be intentionality with our emotions. We can't just let them happen and just say, well, that's just how I feel. Those things need to be formed. They certainly can't take the driver's seat in our life anymore because we have a new life. We have a a new master, and it's not our emotions. So we want those emotions and passions and things to be formed under the love of God. Galatians 5.24 says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so now we are run by the love of God, and we want to have the right emotions, the right burdens, the right passions, and all these different things as they're formed after Him. And then next week we're going to talk about uh, loving God with our body. So this is intentionality to walk into the newness of life that He's already given to us. Romans 6, 4 says this, we were Therefore, buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may, now highlight this word, live a new life. So check that language here. It's not just to have new life, it's to actually live into this new life. To start, uh, some translations to say, to walk into this newness of life that we're given. So we're, we're taking steps into this newness of life that we've already been given. Now that, notice this is acting based on the new life we've already been given, not acting to try to earn that new life. Because remember, we can't earn anything. Everything is, is given and it's, it's, it's an action based on a response to what has been so freely given. So we'll talk about that in week four. Week five is loving God with our souls. Now... There's so much to get into regarding the soul, and we're going to reserve that for next week. But we have to, what we have to know about it is it's much uh, deeper and less conscious than the other three. In fact, uh, David refers, and you see often in the scriptures, that the soul is referred to almost independent from self. It's almost like outside of self. So David would say things like this. 
Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Like, like he's trying to tell it what to do without actually having the control over it that he thinks he might have over the other three. And so the soul is actively forming all the time, and we don't really see that it's forming, but we do have an active role to play in its formation as well. Uh, one thing to mention really quick about the soul is that the, the law, the scriptures say that the law instructs the soul. So, to love God with our souls is to connect ourselves to the unconscious reality that his law informs the deepest parts of us in ways we cannot even comprehend. So, now I know that's confusing, but that's, why we're, that's where we're going to spend a whole week on each of these. I know this morning's like drinking out of a fire hose, right? It's like knock you off your feet, right? But, but we're going to spend a week on each of these because it's so important. Again, if it's important to Jesus, if he says this is the most important, then we want to spend adequate time on it. So, today so far, here's what we've talked about. We've talked about becoming rather than doing. That This command here is important because it points to becoming rather than just doing. And we talked about how it shifts us from these four things being run by desire to now being run by love of God. But we also need to talk about this word love before we move anywhere else here. And we're in this weird place in our culture with this word love because this word surrounds us. It's everywhere. We hear it all the time. And yet, very few people know what it actually is. And even fewer actually even experience this love, and certainly the love of God. And so we talked before about how sometimes we'll say things like, I love ice cream, but the reality is we don't love ice cream, we want to eat it, which is rooted in desire, not love. And that's, that's kind of the problem too, isn't it? It's like if we put these things together when really they're opposing forces in, in some ways, at least whenever desire gets in the way of love, and so we've got to understand what love is. See, love is sacrificial. Love does not depend on an object in order for it to be love. First John says that God is love. And is, in this scenario, refers to a constant state of being. And then in John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world, and that word so refers to an infinite manner of love. Meaning, there was never a time... Where God did not love. Which also means there was never a time where God did not love you. And that's really important for us to recognize, isn't it? That God can't go against his nature. He is love. He so loves. He infinitely loves for all time. No matter what. And I think so many times we think that love depends on the things that we do or don't do. And yet... The scriptures say that that's just who he is, and he will always love, and he will always love us. And then it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. See, when you love, you pour out. You give. And God gave everything on the cross for us. I mean, you can really tell how valuable something is by what you're willing to give up for that. And he emptied everything. For us, that's the value that he has on us. How could we ever? I mean, we have an epidemic in our culture of insecurities, and, and you got to think: How could we ever 
experience insecurity when the self-existent God of the universe always, always loves us no matter what. I mean, that's a big, big deal for us to cling to, right? There's a kid's book that I really like. It's probably, I'd say it's probably a top five, not quite a top three, but I don't know why I always do it, but I always like rank things. So it's somewhere in there, maybe four or five, I don't know. But it's called, I Love You, Stinky Face. Have you guys, are you guys familiar with this book? Nobody. Is anybody familiar with this book? Okay, okay, three. Good, 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 good. I'm glad I'm telling you about it then. But it's a story of a a mom tucking in her son. Son's probably, I don't know, not more than six, seven, eight years old, something like that. And she tucks him in and she says, "Uh, I love you, my wonderful child. But he's a little skeptical of that. He's like, yeah, but what if? And so he starts asking all these questions. He says, yeah, yeah, but mama, what if I was like this big, scary ape? Would you still love me then? And she says, well, if you were a big, scary ape, then I'd make your birthday cake out of bananas. And I'd say, happy birthday. I love you, my big, scary ape. And then he says, yeah, yeah, okay, all right, yeah. But what if I smelled so bad that people called me stinky face? And she says, well, then I'd just plunk you in a bubble bath, and if you still smelled bad, I wouldn't mind. I'd just whisper, I love you, my little stinky face. And then he says, okay, but what if I was like an alligator? Or what if I was like this green alien? Or what if I was like this cyclops or this monster? And time and time again, she just says, of course, of course, of course, of course. And then finally, he has no more questions to ask. And he just says, I love you, mama. And then he goes to sleep later. And there was really nothing that he was going to say that was going to make her say, okay, yeah, yeah, if that's the case, that's too much. Yeah, you're right. That's the line right there. I'm not going to love you at that point. Why? Because that's just what is in her, was love for her child. And that's really the point, isn't it? I mean, we can say what if all day long if we want to. What if this? What if this? But God has shown us, he has proven his love to us with the cross. He has given everything for us. And it's, and it's to us to just say, okay, okay, I mean, I, I receive this love. I, I believe in it. And I just give it back to you. I just say, okay, and I just say, I love you too. And that's really the battle for us as humans, isn't it? To believe that his love is not really contingent on what we do. It's just who he is. And Paul speaks to this in Romans 8. Right? I mean, I'm sure people have been asking the question, yeah, but what if this? What if this? So in Romans 8, he says, uh, what can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? And he just lays it out. How about the highest height? Will that do it? How about the lowest depth? How about angels? How about famine? How about nakedness? How about sword? How about danger? How about all these things? Like, would that separate us? What about even demons? Would that do it? What about death itself? Would that do it either? He says, no, nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. And so all we do now is we just say, okay, okay. I mean, I received this love, I, I, I believe in it, and I'm going to lean into it more and more. And, and what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to say, uh, yes, Lord, yes, Father, I love you too. 
And I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and with all my strength. So here this morning, if you, man, if you're struggling to receive this love from him, now's a great time to look at that one more time and just say, yeah, yeah, I I receive it. I believe. I'm going to do away with all the what ifs. And I'm just going to say, I love you too. I love you too. The altars will be open if you need somebody to pray with. I'd love to pray and then we'll continue to worship. Father, we thank you for your love. Help us to be a people who prioritize and just continue to make everything, all of our formation, just about loving you back. Help us to receive this love that you so freely give to us. And help us to be a people who are remade in it. Father, we're so thankful for your sacrifice on the cross. We're so thankful that you gave everything. And that love is just who you are. So during this uh, series, I pray that you'll just help us to be formed after love of you for all the days of our lives. And we thank you for being so good to us all the time. We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.